0: Battle of L.A. and the Clippers come out on top. And the Zionless Pelicans fall to the Raptors in overtime.
1: Plus, Blake Griffin already missing time due to injury. We'll talk about it all. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go.
0: You are locked on the NBA. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Wednesday, Hump Day, and we're here to get you through it. We're your regular Wednesday hosts. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for MassLive.com. I'm the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Red's Army underscore John.
0: And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. Jake. Oh, this is such a good day. <laughs> Basketball is back. We we made it. Look, we we never left. I think there was a Wednesday no, we edition. Every day in the offseason. We didn't miss it's a week. T- it's tough sometimes, man. But we don't have to fake it anymore. We've got basketball to talk about. And these guys, our listeners never knew we faked it. Look at us. We're such we're good pros. We're pros.
1: We're pros. Uh, <laughs>
0: in the
1: second segment, we'll talk about the Toronto Raptors beating your New Orleans, Pel- New Orleans Pelicans 130-122 in overtime. Uh, 112-102 Clippers over the Lakers. Let's start with that game. Uh That'll be our first segment. Later on, we'll talk about Blake. Uh, Clippers, Lakers. My initial reaction here, Jake, is I feel like this kind of confirmed what we already knew about these teams. That the Clippers' strength, obviously beyond their stars, is going to be their depth and their bench is going to be very good. They added Kawhi. They, they're eventually, in nine games from now, going to add Paul George to a ready-made team that has a bunch of good players. The Lakers are relying on LeBron. They're relying on Anthony Davis. And then if once, when those two guys are on the floor, generally things are going to go okay. When one of them leaves, it's going to get iffy. Maybe like tonight, uh, Danny Green's going to get hot or somebody else is going to get hot, but it really is a top heavy team. And we saw it in this game. 60 to 19 bench points. Clippers. Over the Lakers. 60-19. They've out, they outscored the, the, the Lakers bench by 41 points in a 10 point win.
0: Now, look, it's a little unfair because the Clippers do have Lou Williams, multiple six-man-of-the-year winner. They have Montrez Harrell, who's excellent off the bench and could probably start on a number of teams. But you also have Jermichael Green, who put up 12 in this one. Mo Harkless put up 10 in this one, too. And that's where the bench scoring came from. And it's like you said – None of this surprised me. The Clippers are probably the better team, the deeper team. That definitely, sh- you know, kinda came through. The Lakers are top heavy, but that top heavy part of the Lakers is gonna get you a lot of wins.
1: You oh, know, sure. if this Lakers Absolutely. team,
0: like, plays against most other teams in the league, they probably have a very good chance of winning. I mean, if you look at the, the totals there, AD put up 25, uh, Danny Green had 28, which is a, the most in a Lakers debut ever, by the way, hitting seven threes. <laughs> That's LeBron so That's, I'm sorry. only put up 18. I know it's wild, right? Like, he's also not gonna do that every night, no, too. Like, I don't not think you can count on seven of nine Danny Green for 82 games here. But LeBron put up 18, nine, and eight. Like, these are all very good performances. Performances, and that's probably good enough to beat a lot of teams throughout the league. It's probably not good enough to beat the top teams in the league like the Clippers here. So this just kind of shows you, you know, what kind of what's going on and what we were expecting. Like the Lakers did a lot of iso ball. They ran very inefficient offensive possessions. The Clippers looked more like just a team and like they had been around each other longer, which is partially true. So like you said, yeah, let's just kind of confirms what we know.
1: Yeah, LeBron played 36 minutes. LeBron had good stretches. Uh, his, yeah. his passing was pretty good. Although when you're passing to Quinn Cook or Troy Daniels, who were combined one of eight from three, that's going to be a little different than guys you might have been passing to in the past. And, and that's, that's really the difference. But also LeBron, like he had stretches where he played phenomenal defense and then he had stretches where I was going to say, like he, he, he had that like, the, the chase down block and the charge that he took. But then he doesn't box out Pat Beverly down the stretch in a close game and Beverly gets a clutch offensive rebound. So, like, you have LeBron in flashes, but I think you still, going back to the original, this is kind of what we knew coming in, this is regular season LeBron. And no matter what people said about all the extra rest that he got, this is still going to be regular season LeBron, I think.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. So you mentioned something. It's just how it's going to be with LeBron, I think. Like, there's just no other way to do it. He's got to kind of save himself and then turn off playoff mode, or turn on playoff mode, I should say, uh, towards the end of the season. What really jumped out at me at the end of this game in the fourth quarter was the Lakers' inability to rebound, to just keep themselves in that game. What it was like, there was one possession where I think the Clippers grabbed two or three offensive boards, and it was like long rebounds, guards getting him, because the Lakers don't really have bigs you trust. Like, yeah, okay, cool, Javale McGee, cool. You have, uh, you know, Dwight Howard in this, but I, none of those guys are going to come up with a clutch rebound to seal a game or to help you try and stay in the game. And that's when I, I kind of watch this and I go, oh, like, there's there's a problem here with this team." And it was the rebounding, particularly at the end, that really did jump out at me with that.
1: Absolutely, and this goes back to. The other stuff that we were talking about where Anthony Davis should be playing center. Like that should be your center. He doesn't want to play center.
0: Dude, don't get me started. Right.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you don't have to be told this. But again, it, but the, uh, more confirmation of what we knew coming in. Anthony Davis should be a center. LeBron James should be the power forward. And there shouldn't be as much to and, and Dwight. And, and down the stretch, there wasn't. And it, it's, it's still going to be problematic. Now it's the game one. So yeah,
0: it, it's we don't want to overreact too sure. much to things here.
1: But like the the storylines coming in were so prevalent and to have the first game really immediately play along almost exactly the the same storylines is is just I think a little bit telling. Like the first opportunity they they had to dispel some of the things that we had as a consensus come to, they they didn't do it. Um, they did they did it for stretches. Like Anthony Davis for a stretch was as dominant as you'll ever see Anthony Davis be. Uh, Danny Green in the third quarter was as hot as a player can get from three. But that's great. But there was no consistent like forty eight minutes of just consistent pressure. And you're not going to get that from the Lakers. You're you're going to get that from the Clippers, who, you know, while every team makes a run, you have Kawhi. You're going to add Paul George. But you had stretches where, like, Landry Shamit hit big shots. Patrick Beverly made big plays. Montrez Harrell was your guy down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Like, he was the guy who closed out the game. Montrez Harrell in the paint and ones –
0: in the fourth. Quarter. Also, moving the ball. By the way, he he looked good in this good. one for for the Clippers, and I kind of like their fluid starting lineup. So you might see him getting spot starts here and there. Sure. I, I want to go back to something you said though of stretches of the Lakers looking really good. You know where a stretch that Anthony Davis looked bad in Which the entire fourth quarter, yes. where he didn't score a point. Like yeah. we can't leave that out. Like no, that's where he's got to come up like you need to see that from him. Part of it is he's playing out of position. He should be a five. Like there's no doubt in anyone's mind about this and he just refuses to do it. And like in the fourth quarter, he looked like the AD who had checked out of new Orleans last year. And like, that's your guy and he's not going to score at all in the fourth quarter. Now part of it is also, he's a big who needs someone to get him the ball. And when you're able to kind of take away some of those entry passes and other things, it, 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 falls apart but man that kind of stood out watching the end of this one
1: yeah you know it's kind of a good point there because when you're playing with lesser role players part of the problem is the inability for them to get anthony davis the ball like lebron it has the ball everybody knows he wants to look for anthony davis so they're not going to let that entry pass happen okay fine Work the ball around, but when you, when you work the ball around and it's getting to other players who aren't quite as good, who aren't really great NBA players, it's, it's harder for them to execute and get the ball into the hands of somebody like Davis who can get the ball and start to cook. That's going to be a problem. So what they need to do is just start running
0: more pick and roll. And that was weird that they didn't like where was the uh, any sort of pick and roll between LeBron and Anthony Davis yeah, or like, pick and pop between this. You didn't see that at all.
1: Why couldn't why couldn't they do that once? Like, I don't recall seeing that once in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah. But how do you defend the LeBron, Anthony Davis pick and roll? You don't, you know, and and I know the yeah, Lakers yeah. don't have a ton of shooting, but they have, you know, you could throw like, you, you know, you, you run that uh, a side pick and roll with with uh, eight, uh um sorry Danny Green nearby and even a- Avery Bradley like you you could throw a couple of shooters out there you, i don't know how you defend that they didn't do it once and no it, i don't it,
0: it it was pretty bad so their starting backcourt looking at the numbers here Bradley and Danny Green didn't have an assist at all the, the starting backcourt there had zero assists in this one they had 20 assists on the night on 37 makes that's, that's not, not a are. good like, that's not gonna win you very many games for almost any team. And when you have a big like AD who needs someone to get him the ball, you know, here in New Orleans, most of his shots have been assisted on because you know, he's a power forward. He's a center. He has decent enough handles. His passing, actually, has looked pretty good. They had a couple nifty ones in this game, and that area of his game's growing is going to make him even more of a threat. But still, like, you have LeBron, who's kind of your point guard right now with right. without Rondo playing, and maybe him in there helps a little bit, but he's limited and isn't able to do all of the things you would like to see from him. So I don't know. I, I It's like you said. It's kind of confirmed what we had expected them being, you know, at their best is going to win a lot of games, but there are serious flaws with this Lakers team.
1: So we'll see how that plays out with the Lakers and the Clippers. Again, just one game and it's a 112-102 win for the LA Clippers. Up next, the overtime game, the first game of the NBA season, 130-122 Raptors over the Pelicans. We'll talk about that when we come back on the Locked On NBA podcast. indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand start your style upgrade right now with $30 off your purchase of $399 or more at indochino.com enter the code locked on at checkout okay first game of the nba season was a raptors overtime win over the new orleans pelicans the pelicans are your beat, so why don't you kick us off
0: yeah, so, I no Zion kind of put a damper on this one, I think, a, a little bit. And you saw some weirdness from the Pelicans in this game. You saw some good things too. Brandon Ingram with 22 points. Lonzo Ball hitting threes and actually being aggressive. That was really nice to see. And frankly, just a, a young team that only has six players from last season's roster taking the defending champions on ring night to overtime, I think is a bit of a moral victory. And it was certainly a game the Pelicans could have won if they didn't just go with the weirdest rotations and lineups you've ever what seen. What was
1: that? It's, Down the I, stretch. So,
0: it's, so this was weird. So it's opening night. People are fresh. A lot of guys don't play in the final preseason game, which was last week. Like, you've had a couple of days rest. Pelicans played 12 guys, and they all played double-digit minutes. That's weird. It, Down the stretch, you saw Jaleel Okafor, who's had a nice career reinvention. Out there in the lineup alongside Frank Jackson with Lonzo Ball on the bench. That's a little bit odd. And Derek Favors on the bench, too. And then he started those guys in overtime. And the way I've described this on Locked On Pels is, particularly with Zion in, this this team has no idea what works and what doesn't. Five preseason games is not enough to kind of get enough data and film and, and analytics on all of this stuff to figure out what lineups and combinations work. So Gentry, I think, just decided to try them all tonight. And because you need a large enough sample size, they're just leaving these lineups out there way longer than you think they should. And so it just leads to general weirdness. Like it just seemed like they didn't care about winning this game and just decided to kind of stick with their their experimentation formula. And that's probably the reason why they lost. Like New Orleans should have won this. They could have won this. And they didn't really try to win it, which is an odd thing to kind of say.
1: It, it, look, when I saw uh, Okafor, Jackson, Ingram, Hart with a holiday out there, it was like four, three, four minutes left to go – I will say this in in his defense that that lineup made a run it made yeah. a run but it felt like that was a uh these guys are working for now but once they stop sort of working
0: which which they did stop working they did
1: then like at the first sign of like they're at the end of their effectiveness, you, you go back to your, um, you know, Lonzo, you bring it back Redick, you know, favors, like you bring those guys back, you kind of have them almost like a hockey line ready to go.
0: And-, and he, he did that in the first half. They like basically just did a five man sub and, and threw in some backups who so did okay. And then didn't really do the same, then they staggered more in the second half. It was, it was overall weird. I think the biggest takeaway from New Orleans here is JJ Reddick's really good. We saw that. Uh, Josh Hart. Kind of just burst out in this one, finished with 15 points on the night, 10 rebounds from him, and it was 3 of 5 from deep. That's pretty good. And I think the world finally got to see Nicolo Melli, who we've all been really excited about here in New Orleans, and he started off going 3 of 3 from deep. He's a 28-year-old rookie.
1: (laughs) Best rookie in the Pelicans right now.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> it's just it's kind of funny that you don't think of him like that. He's been playing professionally for something like 12 years now, Um, being over in like in Italy and Turkey. And yeah. I, he moves like an NBA player. He just looks, he looks like good. an NBA player. I know, good. right? Uh, Pelicans liked him enough to throw him the whole uh, like biannual exception, so like two years guaranteed for significant money. But look, the, the Pelicans weren't the story in this one. The story is definitely the play of Pascal Siakam, who finished with 34 points on the night and 18 freaking rebounds, mm-hmm. and is just a monster. And also Fred VanVleet in contract years, and with a new child, I guess now that he's his dad, Every time is a, a new kid, man. Like he's got to start planning for when the Toronto Raptors like get into the playoffs. And what is it like, you know, uh eight months, six months now, something like that? Yeah. Like start, you that's know, should be have been thinking. Yeah, now it's a little bit late, that's but that's going to violate some laws plus. of
1: nature. But yeah, you know, maybe they, maybe the conversion rate in Canada is different with pregnancies. I don't know.
0: <laughs> they talked about the exchange rate with dollars. You never know. You never know. But Van, please finished – with 34 points on the night. He was five of seven he from deep. He
1: was a monster.
0: He was good. Like, he, he was a monster. there's no other way to put it. Uh Siakam looks like he's worth every Canadian penny of that <laughs> max contract. Van um, Vliet looks like he maybe needs a max contract. And for a dude who's that short, his finishing around the rim is outstanding. I feel like that's kind of new.
1: I feel like that yeah. getting to the rim and finishing around the, around the rim is a new thing. Someone on Twitter made the joke, like, well, once you have two kids, you learn to operate with no space around you, which that's not my joke, but it's a funny one. That's a
0: good one, though. <laughs> that's a good one.
1: Uh, Van Vliet, obviously this isn't going to be in every day. 67% from the field, 5 of 7 from 3 is not going to happen every day. But uh, Van Vliet was the story in this game. And he just, yeah. and, and consistently, we talked about in the last segment, consistency. Van Vliet was consistent, and he came out – I was so pissed off when he stepped on a, a, a cameraman's foot. That's my most infuriating thing that can happen in an NBA game. Clear those guys off the damn baseline. Technology technology exists to allow we it. We technology
0: to put shot clocks by the free throw line in the uh, in the yeah, Lakers game. Like
1: I mean, just get robotic cameras in there. Like, we I, I, I was so pissed when I saw that. Luckily, he came back and hopefully he's okay for the, he doesn't miss any time. But he played 44 minutes. And it was just, uh, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal to watch. Uh, I thought that, uh, I thought that Siakam, I had questions about Siakam, about like, he, he looked good. I wonder.
0: Go ahead. His baseline spin move that he does, like from the elbow is, man, he is just quick on that spin and catches people off guard when you know it's coming.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think obviously that, that's like his thing. The post-ups, I'm curious to see, cause that's more posting up than you're used to seeing, I think, in today's NBA. And he really, really went for it. Uh, I wonder how well that's gonna work long-term. Uh, it was also good on a, a positive side to see him with five assists. That's more than his average. He, I think he averages, like, last year he averaged three. That's gonna be a big part of him earning that, that big contract. Obviously, 34 points is, is huge. 18 rebounds is just ridiculous. Uh, but, the, the five assists I think is going to be a big deal. But he did have the five turnovers. Uh, I, I definitely think that Pascal is showing why he got that big contract. I think he's he's showing that he's capable of being a lead guy. But I'm, I'm really curious to see exactly how that develops over the course of the season. Uh, so I, I thought that was good.
0: I, so it's interesting because they ran a total of – it was eight guys in this game. They're going to have it. it you know, their depth last year was really, the, you know, one of their biggest things in route to that title run in the regular season. Like they went 10 guys deep, I think last year and all of them were like a damn buzzsaw. And now they've got a much shorter rotation with this. I wonder how sustainable it's going to be. Like, you're not going to get 34 from Van Bleed on a nightly basis. He's not going to go five of seven. And if he doesn't, you know, they lose this game and it's just, They're trying to integrate some new guys that clearly Nick Nurse doesn't trust. I wonder if what they kind of showed here tonight is – a lot of kind of adrenaline from the ring ceremony, mm-hmm. other things, and like just how good this team's gonna be because you did get taken to overtime while you're at home against a Pelicans team without Zion, who had a couple. Of, like Drew Holiday did not play well in this game, and if that's the case, if he plays even remotely like Drew Holiday, he did on the defensive side of the ball at least. You know, I wonder if this is different, but like there's definitely some concerns for Toronto despite how some of these guys looked.
1: I'd say I think. Obviously, you can say, well, if Van Vliet didn't have his performance, if Siakam didn't have his performance, they, they would have lost. But even with those performances, and mind you, Siakam filed out of this game, by the way. Uh, but even if they didn't have those performances, or, or even, even though they did, I should say, uh, they still were a weird coaching decision away from losing this game. I think the inexperience from the Pelicans down the stretch kind of showed because they, yes. they, they were phenomenal moving the ball. And then all of a sudden, the ball movement kind of fell apart down the stretch. So I think their lack of experience really hurt them there. Uh, and so I think a couple of little things there, even without Zion, um, I, they were, I think, very close to losing that game. Obviously, they didn't. So great, that's a win. And it doesn't matter in the end when they count up all the wins and losses. But for this team, I think for the Raptors we're seeing a a team that's still going to be finding itself and when the projections showed like middle of the east maybe third maybe down as far as 5th or 6th uh maybe not 6th but 5th uh that that's that's the type of performance that we saw in this game all right we'll be back after this we'll talk about Blake we'll talk about some other stuff coaches challenges <laughs> we'll talk about it all when we come back on the Locked On NBA Podcast. Let's just roll back through the Pelicans game, because that gave us our first coaches challenge in NBA history when Nick Nurse.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I'm just laughing already because I know where this segment's going to go, but continue. Sorry.
1: Challenged uh, a call. uh, It was an offensive foul call. And this is your thing. Like, you personally requested that we talk about the coaches
0: challenge. We have to. Yeah. We have to. Please, this is all you know. It's it's the opening night of the regular season, and I am over the coaches' challenge already because (laughs) one, it just slows the game down like horribly, and then two, they're not even using it properly, man. Like Nick Nurse used his one challenge in the first quarter. Alvin Gentry used his in the first half, and then in the fourth quarter of a close game that went to overtime. Both of these teams had calls that they should have properly challenged and didn't because they didn't have the challenge. Like, if you're going to use it pointlessly in the first quarter, like,
1: why even have it? Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Like, the whole point of that challenge is to have it when there's a, a, a questionable Game-changing call. call? Yeah, yeah. Like, that foul at the beginning, like that didn't change
0: anything. There was... No point. You use it on a clearly incorrect call that you need to get right for your team to win, or maybe on a borderline call that stops a guy from fouling out. Like, the one with Pascal Siakam when he fouled out was J.J. Redick uh, drew a charge on him. That's like a 50-50 call. Yeah. You know, they might not overturn it or change it, but that's when you should use it so your best player, uh, unless you think Van Bleet's the best player, doesn't, you know, get tossed from the game. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You're out. You're 100% right. Like that's, that's the, the place to use something like that, not in the first quarter. Uh, I'm gonna be very curious to see what the end result is at the end of this year for how many calls are, are overturned. Because I'm gonna bet that it's a very, very low percentage. They're not gonna overturn calls. Like, even that call, there, I don't know. It was borderline. It has to be like a complete utter flop blown call type of thing where they get the, the that gets overturned. Anything that's Look, close, I don't think they're going to overturn it.
0: I live in a city that wants all calls to be able to be reviewed right now and you see it in the <laughs> NFL where all yes. of the, none of the pass interference calls get changed and it was the same thing. I think it was in the second quarter when Gentry used his challenge on, um, I think, I, I think it was Van Vleet or Lowry got touched and they called the three shots on a three point shot for him and it clearly he wasn't touched and I think he tried to draw contact by sticking his leg out. I forgot how annoying it is to watch Kyle Lowry play when he's playing your team, by the way. <laughs> uh, and, like, oh they went God. to go review it, and then they spent all this time reviewing it and didn't change the call, and it was clearly the wrong call, and it just stood, and it's like, okay, what's the point? Like, we weren't even done with the first game of the regular season, and I'm so over this already.
1: Uh, I'm with you. I, I want to say the the call that – I'm changing the subject a little bit. The Jalil Okafor call that they were in, reviewing for a potential flagrant at the end of the game, oh god! Yeah,
0: okay, uh, yeah, that was so dumb too.
1: I am sick of I am sick of the call. Like, okay, I am all one million percent in on you. Got to give the guy a place to land. You can't stick your foot under the guy. Like that's obvious to me. But for a player like Lowry to jump and shoot his legs forward and land two feet forward. When his – it's not like he's jumping forward. He's jumping straight up but then kicking his feet forward. And that doesn't count to me. Like that doesn't – you don't get that space two feet in front of you to land. Like that – no, that's bull. Okafor didn't get past the three-point arc. His feet were inside it. Inside the (laughs) three-point arc. Kyle Lowry took a three-point shot. That is, you now have given the guy enough space to land. If he chooses to land somewhere else, that's him. That's on him. I'm sorry, I can't handle that at all. That that's that is a that one real was big bad problem for me. And yeah, and then they reviewed it and didn't change it too. Like ah. yeah, that that's something. And I'm not even saying that for like the the changing the course of this game. Like that is something I think the NBA really really needs to look at, and the officials really need to look at. That little kick forward is just a natural thing that these guys work on to draw fouls. You can't be rewarded. A guy goes straight up and down and gives the guy space to land. You can't penalize the guy because the other guy kicks his feet forward. That's I hate that.
0: They, they called a lot of offensive fouls in the Pels game, and I, I I only had like half an eye on the Lakers game in the first half, so I don't know how it was called there. But it looks like the refs in general are going to call more offensive fouls, except when it's something like that and very clearly should have been on Lowry. All
1: right, let's uh, change the subject here because we promised that we were going to talk about Blake Griffin. This is a big deal for the Pistons. Blake Griffin out until early November at the earliest because he has soreness in his knee and in his hamstring. Okay, it's called left hamstring and poster- posterior knee soreness. So Griffin is out for at least a couple of weeks. The Pistons are sitting here trying to make a push for the playoffs. People are talking about, like Charles Barkley is sitting here talking about the Pistons as his dark horse team. They're, they go nowhere. Obviously they go nowhere without um, Blake Griffin they've they've made signings to kind of tinker around the edges to give them a little bit more support but this is a team that's that's stuck offensively that's kind of stuck where they are and they need Blake to be there to be there for them the the entire season to have this happen right away that is that is a bad sign I think.
0: Yeah, this is pretty rough for them. Like, there's, there's just no other way to put it. Like, they, they need him. He's the guy. It's not gonna just be Andre Drummond shooting threes, you know, on, on a nightly basis for this team. And then Reggie Jackson taking the scoring load. Like, it's Blake Griffin or bust from them. Like, what is, what's the rest of this roster gonna do for you? Like, how far is Langston Galloway really going to carry you here when he's got a bumped up role now? And, I don't know. You just don't feel too good about their playoff chances, though. I guess, you know, the bottom of the East means maybe they can be in it. But like, I, I don't know. It, Blake's had an interesting kind of run, just that out, out of nowhere trade to a place he didn't want to be and then doing his best to kind of embrace it all. And it seems like he was starting to enjoy being there. And then this happens. It just is disappointing to see.
1: It's very disappointing. And it's uh, maybe it's going to be OK in the long haul. It's it's not something you want to overreact to but at the same time with his history and to have that like this is the beginning of the season this is when he should be his healthiest and for it to be like this lingering soreness uh, i i just i don't like where this is going for them and again this is a team that a lot of people thought would be at the end of at least the six seed seven seed somewhere in there the pistons uh I, I don't know. I just don't know that they're going to make it, which is, is good news, I guess, for teams at the bottom of the East that are, are making playoff pushes. Hell, maybe Chicago surprises somebody now and that could be good news for them if, if they're looking to show some progress. But, uh, tough news for Blake Griffin and tough news for the Pistons. We'll see how that progresses. We hope that you have enjoyed the show. This is uh beginning of the NBA season, so Locked On NBA is back. We never left, but now we're getting to talk about real basketball every day. So subscribe wherever podcasts exist. Give us that good five-star rating and a good written review. It really helps us out. I am one of your Wednesday hosts. I am John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Army underscore John.
0: I'm Jake Madison, host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast. On Twitter at Nola Jake. David Locks got you next on the Thursday
1: podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been Lockdown NBA on the Lockdown Podcast Network.